I don't know how many times I've preached this over and over again, and maybe you remember it from some of my homilies, but I've said it over and over again how the more we sin and the more we allow evil to come into our lives and into the world, the more tragedy we're going to see. A lot of times we love to directly blame God, right? We blame God for tragedy, we blame God for evil, when the ones we should be blaming is ourselves. We think that our sin has no consequences. We think that we can sin and just go directly to confession and everything will be great. But sin is never private and never personal. Sin has a real consequence. I've just been thinking about this past year. Look at how many tragedies we've seen and experienced just in this year of 2023. How many young people have died? How many sudden deaths there have been? How many accidents there have been? How much has happened right in front of our eyes? And this is literally because of the consequence of sin. That the more we sin, the more it affects the world. And I'm not just talking about telling a little lie here and there or saying a swear word or tailgating someone when you're driving. I'm talking about serious sin. Mortal sin, sin that directly cuts us off from God and from his, from his grace, and how that affects us and affects the world, affects our marriages, our families, the very people around us. This is what sin does. So God is not the one to blame in any of this, but it is sin. And Jesus is clear about that in the gospel. He says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Jesus is fed up. He's bothered. He's irked with this world. And I think when we look at this world, we can probably see the same things. Just this week, in my own life, I've seen a number of things that I'm just like, what in the world? I was at a coffee shop this week. A girl walks in, and every single person could hear the entire life of this girl, okay, and what she was saying, to the point where she was celebrating her sin. She was rejoicing, she was talking about her sin loudly to a group of people, but she knew everybody could hear her, and she was celebrating and rejoicing in her sin. And mind you, this girl was 16 years old. I found that out because I knew her entire life story by the end of this. <laughs> And she's rejoicing in her sin, rejoicing in what she was doing. On Friday, I was sitting next to someone in a place, and a grown man, grown man, who had nail polish on. And this is perverse. This is faithless. This is our generation. This is what we're seeing. And the more we go throughout our world, the more evil and the more perversity we're going to see in this world. And it can discourage us. It can really make us irked and bothered with this world, just as Jesus was in the gospel. How long am I going to bear with you? How long am I going to have to deal with you, to be with you in this world? How long? It's discouraging. Even in the midst of our own community, right? There are sins in our community that are great, that are big. If I see another cannabis billboard, I think I might crash into it personally myself, okay? 
because it's disgusting what our own community is doing just to this state, just to the state of Michigan, and how our sins are going to over and over and over again affect all of us, and we will continue to see tragedy unless we change and turn our hearts towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this wedding in Iraq. I don't know if you saw the videos. It literally looked like a movie watching this video. And when I was watching this video, the one thing I could think of was this literally looks like if they made a movie about hell, this is what hell would look like. Fire was falling down on people. Hundreds of people died. Hundreds of people were affected. I watched a video yesterday that the bride lost her mom and her brother in that fire. That for the rest of her life, when her wedding day comes around, when her wedding anniversary comes around, which was supposed to be a happy day, a joyful day, this bride has to remember that her mom and her brother and many other of her family members died tragically on this day. When I looked at this, all I could think of was, this is what hell would look like. Fire falling, people screaming, people running. This is an image of hell. And I was thinking about, because there's a verse in Scripture that talks about fire falling. There's a verse in Scripture that talks about fire falling. So I just looked on Google. I said, fire falling. And it led me to Revelations chapter 13. Revelations, if you've never read this book, it is very complicated. But it's all about the end times. It's all about what's going to happen at the end of the world. And in this specific chapter, it talks about two beasts. Two beasts. And this one beast rains down fire upon people. And this beast has a number. And the number is 666. Follow me. Okay, this can get complicated. That number isn't just something that we see in these demonic movies or that is just a coincidence. This is a real number in the Bible, and this number is the number of the devil, the number of Satan. This number is found somewhere else in Scripture, 666. It's found in the book of Kings, and it has to do with King Solomon. King Solomon received 666 talents. So King Solomon received this great amount of wealth, 666 of them. And you know what happened after that? It was the beginning of his fall as a king. Because from those 666 talents, he started marrying foreign women who turned his heart away from the true God and started worshiping other gods. You know what this beast in Revelation does? At the end of this world, this beast will come and he will turn away our hearts and try to make us worship false gods. Isn't that happening right now? Look at how many of us in our own community are worshiping false gods. Gods of money and success and power. How many of us are worshiping these false gods? And King Solomon started worshiping these false gods and he fell and he fell hard. This is what the devil is doing to us. Now, we can stop there, right? I can end this homily and I can sit down and we can just stop at the bad news, okay? But I'm not going to do that because we're Christian, we're Catholic, and we believe in the gospel. 
Another name for the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. There's good news because we're Catholic. There's good news because we believe in Jesus. And so we cannot lose hope and we cannot lose faith in God or in our, in our belief in Jesus because there is hope in him. And Jesus might have been irked because he was bothered with the world and we very much can be bothered with what's happening in our world but we can't lose hope. We are the people of God, people of faith, and we cannot lose hope in what Jesus is doing. So oftentimes, as a priest, it can be very discouraging, right? Because we know every single secret in our community, okay? And I think we're pretty good at keeping those secrets. We know every single evil and every single bad that's happening in this community. And as a priest, when I hear that, that can be discouraging, It can make me very negative, very bitter, very resentful, very bothered with every single person in this world. But I oftentimes turn towards my hope in Jesus. Because Jesus gives me so much hope in my priesthood. Jesus gives me so much joy in my priesthood. And there's a couple of things that I've been thinking about this week that give me hope. The first is when I'm sitting in confession... And a father comes to confession. When a father comes to confession, you don't understand how much hope that gives me as a priest. I love you ladies, right? I love hearing about your drama and confession and how you hate this person and that person. It's beautiful, right? (laughs) But when a father comes to confession, it's totally different. There's a difference when a father prays. When a father practices his faith, there's a difference in that. Women, in a sense, in our world, right? Women are expected to have faith. Mothers are expected to have faith. They're meant to lead their families. And it's not usual for a father to have faith or for a father to practice. But when a father goes to confession, and I say this when I'm in confession, when a father goes to confession, do you know the effect that you're having on your children? When your kids see you going to confession, do you know the great effect that has on your children and what that does? It encourages them because the father is like this hero of the family, right? The father is meant to be like this role model, this example. So your kids are always going to do what the father does. So when the father goes to confession, that is the most powerful thing in the world. Because look at what you're doing for your kids. And when I see that as a priest, wow, that gives me so much hope. So much hope. The second thing that gives me hope, especially in our community, is the amount of people that sit in adoration today. The amount of people that are sitting before the Eucharist, that are praying, that are wanting to build this relationship with Jesus. When I go into our chapel, when I sit in our chapel and I see people walk in, even the khaltus, even if I just want to knock them over sometimes, when I see them, it gives me hope that we have people that are sitting before Jesus, not just for 10, 15 minutes, but for hours. Sitting before Jesus, wanting to build this relationship with Him. Wanting to be on fire for Him. That gives me so much hope. The last thing is the youth in our church. The youth in our church give me so much hope. The amount of young people that are giving their lives to Jesus, and we haven't seen this in years. Even when I was growing up, it was not like this. 
The amount of young people today that are coming to church, that are wanting to know Jesus and to love Him, gives me so much hope. If you didn't know, we have youth groups in our churches that have 250 teenagers that come every single week. And we don't pay them to be there. We don't give them vapes either. And they're still there somehow. <laughs> they're coming to Jesus. These things give me so much hope. And we can't lose our hope in the Lord. But what we need to do is to keep our eyes on Him. And to recognize that all of these tragedies are warnings from God. These are all warnings from Jesus. If you are a father or a mother or whoever you are, and you haven't been to confession in years, because alasas are going to wait till the priest shows up on your deathbed, and that's when you'll be right with Jesus, do it now. What are you waiting for? Why are we waiting to come to Jesus? Why are we putting Jesus last? Now is the time to turn to Him. Now is the time to go to Him. Because we don't know what's going to happen. These are warnings from God to wake up. To wake up and to have faith in Him and to have hope in Him. Because nothing else matters in this world but the Lord. Lastly, today is the Feast of St. Therese. St. Therese is not just a saint that gives flowers. Okay, That's one thing she does of many. But St. Therese talks about this little way, which are little ways that we can go to Jesus. Being this little, small child that has complete confidence and trust in God. The devil wants to lead us away from God and to worship things that are false and fake. St. Therese teaches us to put this complete confidence and trust in God because there's nothing else that matters in life but Jesus. And she teaches us to do that in little ways. You do, you do small things with great love. That's what she teaches us. We need to learn to do these little things for Jesus. And the more we do these little things, the greater we will become in our love for him. And so I pray for her intercession, uh, that through her intercession, through St. Therese, we would learn to love God with all of our hearts and not to wait any longer. Amen.